Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking Ship, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Megan Fitzgerald. And I'm J.P. Maddock. And here we are. This is our last episode that we will be talking about Schitt's Creek, our season finale, if you will, our happy ending. And it's the end of me. And it's the end of J.P. for now. For now. Who knows? I've left the show, but we've left it open-ended. Open-ended. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe he'll pull a A Grey's Anatomy reveal. We all thought he was dead. Hopefully you'll see him again one day if we remain friends after this episode. We never know. This episode could tear us apart. It's a very tumultuous time. This episode is our mailbag episode. It's a Q&A. So thank you to everyone who sent in your questions and your comments and your hot takes. Wow, some of you even trusted us to give us ice, which I don't know why. I don't know what we've done to uh, make you think that we're capable of that as we talk about all the time how we are single. Yeah, two single people in here talking about relationships. The advantage of being single is the perspective. Right. Yeah, it's so easy for someone who is single to give relationship advice. And then as soon as they're in a relationship, all of that advice just goes out the window. Yeah, you guys will know when we enter relationships because the podcast will just start getting really, really bad. We'll just be giving the worst advice. <laughs> just talk about how great you know, marriage great. is. And like, everything yeah. is fine. And it's all service level. And I won't talk about any fights they just had. You know, if we seem like we're suddenly, there's a sudden shift in our tone, then know that we're potentially blissfully happy. I just sort of like imagine you giving really grim advice because you're personally going through a breakup or something and you're like love isn't real there is no will he or won't they it's all just trash in the romantic comedy of the podcast host that talks about love that's the like point of no return oh wow why hasn't that been a thing yet Rom-coms are coming back. Rom-coms are coming back. We need to have a podcast one. The one that I think would be really funny for a rom-com, and I think I might have mentioned this to you, is that, like, one of them is one of the window dressers at, like, Macy's. You have. This is actually so good. It's so good, I don't know if you should say it. Can I copyright something I say as I say it? Sure, I am. There's, like, a montage of, like, the progression of the relationship down Fifth Avenue. Like, someone's just walking, and they're like, okay, this one though is really dark it's like this mannequin looks drunk <laughs> like this mannequin is on the ground right. and they're recreating the time that they got so drunk and had a fight at the yeah exactly bar and the last City. one is like the the whoever is the window designer is like actually in the window display and is on their knee uh-huh. and they're trying to talk to the person on out on the street but there's like you can't hear the sound they're begging against the window <laughs> yeah and the person on the street is like what are you saying what are you saying a whole crowd of people comes around yeah and like it's like a full monologue yeah like we hear it and then we like cut over and you're like and there's like no one one liner old man that's like <laughs> we can't hear you yeah exactly oh that, my god so it writes itself it's called the man in a can. The man in the can? No, like the mannequin, but I was oh! trying to play him play more. Like he can do it. Like the, the man can. <laughs> the mannequin love. Oh, I don't know. Wow. Okay. Well, Listen, something to workshop. The, yeah, something to workshop. This is why we do television yeah. and not film. <laughs> Speaking of television, we recorded last week's episode before the Emmy nominations came out. So... Yeah. Let's talk about them this week. So Emmy nominations are out. Schitt's Creek has broken the record for a comedy series in its final season, 
with nomination numbers. It has 15 nominations. Um, that record was previously held by 30 Rock, who had 13. Oh, thir- wow. They be- beat it by two. Yeah. 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 Oh, coming out strong. So, 15 nominations. Uh, it's nominated for Outstanding Comedy. Eugene, Catherine, Dan, and Annie are all nominated. It has a nomination for sound mixing, two nominations for editing, writing for Happy Ending, the finale, which Dan Mm -hmm. Levy wrote, and then writing for Presidential Suite, which is the Ted and Alexis breakup episode. So that was really well done, obviously, and that's David West Reed. Hair and Makeup both got nominations. Casting got a nomination. Costumes by Deborah Hansen and Darcy Shine. And then for directing the finale, Dan Levy and Andrew Sivin. Savendino. It sounds like an Italian restaurant. I love it. Exciting. Excited for our okay. little for our little babies. So we, listen, we are not uh award show experts, uh, nor do we have a vast knowledge of the history of award shows, but we could make some we could talk about these categories, make a couple predictions just yeah. for fun. The thing is, I don't know if it's we're biased because we obviously love TV, but these categories feel the acting categories specifically feel stacked and it's not even just like stacked in talent it's also stacked in just like quality of shows yeah they're just like it's just like very different it's like really strange to want to compare dead to me or is that what that show is called Mm -hmm. dead to me with Shit's creek well and like what is um don Cheadle nominated for like black monday oh yeah 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 and marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, I'm like, and why the are the Kaminsky we... method and Shit's <laughs> yeah. Creek? The shows are just so vast that choosing these categories and these shows, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Dan's category, supporting actor. Supporting, which is strange because I would have, I would have probably reversed Dan and um, Eugene. Eugene. I definitely agree that Catherine O'Hare was probably the lead actress in this. Yeah. Especially in this last season. She has so much to do in this last season. Her category is the one that I'm like, oh I don't God. know. So this category is like Christina Applegate, Linda Cardellina, Issa Rae, Rachel um, Brosnahan, Tracy Ellis Ross. Like stacked category. Yeah. Catherine O'Hare has one Emmy, but for writing. writing. Yeah. yeah. And it was like back... In like 82, Yeah, it was so like long that. ago, yeah. writing for Second City TV. She is so good. She just is so talented. She brings such vulnerability, and she's just so grounded yeah. in this character that is absurd and gets right. very broad, but she doesn't ever really go to those limits that make it broad, cheesy. Cheesy, and, yeah. Because this character, it's, like it's if you look at the SNL. text, yeah, it's not SNL. Nothing, no shade to SNL. I think I just, for Catherine <clears throat> O'Hara, I think... The character of Moira Rose is like a once in a decade performance. So I just, I want her to get her due for it. I really think it's so deserved. Moira Rose is a cultural icon. We're going to make references to her for years to come. I just, not that it's all about awards and that all recognition comes from awards, but I think it would be nice for her to have it. And she's not only like made this character what it is, but like drag queens are now this character. Are drag queens playing... Marvelous Miss Maisel, probably. Dan is also nominated for writing and directing, and the series is obviously nominated, so I hope Dan wins somewhere, but I think Eugene could really win. Who's all in his? Um, It's also Don Cheadle, Rami. Even in Dan's category, it's like each category has one of those, we wrote the part and we're acting it. Right, Rami. It's really cool. That is such a cool thing that's happening in our industry. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I'd be, I'd be happy for Rami as well. That category, though, I think is like just a whole series of icons. Is um Annie's category supporting actress? So this category is wild. Like 
Betty Gilpin, Yvonne Orji, I, Cecily Strong, I'm very happy for because I think yeah, she, she gets overlooked a lot. Totally overlooked. Kate McKinnon, she's been nominated before, but you know, we, we love wow, her. Wow, that is a stacked category. Darcy Carden, Alex Borstein, Marin Hinkle, like, and Annie Murphy. So if you, if you had to choose, you are now an Emmy voter. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really proud of this illustrious career I've had. Yes. And you get to vote for only one of the Schitt's Creek actors to win in their category. Which one would it be? Catherine. Me too. Hands down, Catherine, a thousand percent. Great. Um, Or it could also win for best comedy, which I'd be super happy about because here's my hot take. Fuck Curb Your Enthusiasm. I am so tired of pretending to love that show (laughs) to please men. I was like, why is this even coming back? I never watched it until... Like recently, I started watching it and I only re- watched it because his daughter made a web series yeah. and I watched the web series and I was like, she stole everything from her father. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are yeah, on Chits Creek talking about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I've watched all of it. I thought it was funny. I just, I also find it so stressful as a show and men just treat this show. It's similar to The Office, but it's men who think they're like too cool <laughs> to think The Office is their favorite show. So they think Curb is their favorite show. Do you know what's funny is that there is a like running joke among my gay friends. So in my world, it's the whole gay community is yes, making this exactly, running joke. Because you are the representative <laughs> yeah. for the entire queer community on this podcast. So the entire gay community is making this joke right now that when there is this whole category of like being gay where you like like to pretend you're straight and like you're just like really masculine and uh-huh. like when you hook up with a guy, it's like you play the office in the background yeah. as like the office music and it's That's just like a joke hilarious. that we all say. Uh, yeah, The Office, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and uh, Twin Peaks are the shows that... Oh, I thought, just... you, I thought you were like, it's nominated. I was like, no. there's a new season? <laughs> Fucking, you, look what you just did. Just the shows that men love to tell me to watch. And Yeah, I try watching all of Twin Peaks. I've been told to several times. One time, three men told me in one day to watch Twin Peaks. Three men in one day. Anyways, it's not nominated. All right. Well, that's our Emmys conversation. And um, after that real pop culture journalism that I had to do, let's get down to business. Let's get down to the real questions, the hard-hitting questions. The nitty-gritty ones. The nitty-gritty. Let's do a little Mary Fuck Kill, JP. Ooh. Mary Fuck Kill. Okay. Ted Mutt Mm. Patrick. One, two, two three, three, Patrick. Ted. You killed Patrick? I killed Patrick. I just don't want to have sex with Patrick. And I think Patrick would be just too good for me as a partner to marry that I would get really annoyed. <laughs> I-, I can't. I can't. We just did hours of recording about how great he is. Uh, and I'm going right. to talk about how great he is later on, but right, I killed I'm, him now. I'm going to use this as evidence, too. When you're like, why am I never in a healthy relationship? I'll be yeah. like, yeah, because you, you would kill killed, a Patrick. Yeah, you killed All Patrick. Right, continue on. So this one's the fuck. So okay. one, one, two, two three, three, Ted. Okay. <laughs> so, explain. Explain yourself. Actually, what? that doesn't require that much explanation. No, I mean, they're both... At this point, I've already killed Patrick, so the two guys I'm left with are both hot. Right. Um, but something about Mutt, so I don't know if you know this, but he's not, like, they had to dye his beard to be black, and there's, like, a scene where he and 
um, Alexis like make out in the rain. Uh-huh. And they had to, every time they redid the shoot, they had to redo her makeup and redo his because he kept getting all of the, the black dye on That's her hilarious. face. And something about just a man who wants to dye his, like just cares, is so vain that he wants to care about okay. his opinion. Well, that's not much. That's, I don't, I'm hugging Dan Levy. It just makes me want to marry him. <laughs> He's a handyman. That's true. That would be and useful. I am allergic to cats, and I'm just afraid that Ted, you know, he would bring home so many cat cats. dander. Okay. Well, curious. So we are not matched on any of them. I at thought, all. We, I thought it was so obvious. I thought we would at least have one. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, Great. This is why we're a good balance. Wait, who'd you kill, Mutt? I killed Ted. Oh, wow. We didn't talk about that. Because I just feel, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a current phase I'm going through, but I've been like very into beardedness. Oh, you know what? And we were just talking about button-up shirts. You love a button-up shirt. I mean, I don't know if you love a button-up shirt, but I think you are attracted to a guy who thinks that you love a button-up shirt. I love a button-up shirt. I do. And then I killed Ted just because I... I guess similar to your Patrick, I think Ted is too good for me and too nice. I think he would be, I don't know if I would give him the the thumbs up. You don't think you'd give him the point and nod? But I would me. be like, oh yeah, or the point and nod. I think I would just be like, this is might be fun for you. Yeah. And this is a different taste than the men that you typically have yeah. in your life. Because but, um, he's a vet. <laughs> he has a job. Because he has a job. <laughs> Because he knows what he's doing with his life. So there's that. In a back Should we do mine? My Let's do yours. Mary fuck Hill? Yeah. <laughs> this one is just purely for fun. Yeah. Roland, Bob, Ray. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Let's start with the easy one. Can you kill one of them? I could kill one. <sighs> okay. Okay, on the count of three. One, one two, two, three. three. Roland. Um, I knew you were going to kill Roland. I... I think that why just because he's annoying so annoying yeah you don't like I know you're not a Roland fan I think Roland and Jocelyn have like a pretty healthy sex life they do they actually probably have a really good one I think that anything I wanted to do Roland would be okay so I kill Bob because you know he's he's close to death what am I really doing and then I marry Ray because he has so many businesses you know we are so different because I killed Roland I fucked Ray and I married Bob why? So you get the inheritance? Well, you get the garage? I just think Bob, and we're going to talk about Bob and, and Gwen. Yeah. But I just think if Bob is just so Bob, I could get away with so much. That's true. Right. Well, you know, everyone, um, let us know your thoughts on your <laughs> Mary Fuck Kills of this category and, you know, send us send us some others. We'll, we'll be accepting DMs. All right, JP, I'm, yeah. ready, for your, I'm ready for your theory here. Because I know you have a you have a rant about this. Ugh. How long do you think they were actually in Schitt's Creek? How long do I think, or how long do I have I been told? Because what I've been told is that they've only been in Schitt's Creek for three years, and that makes no sense. And if they hadn't said it, I think no one would ever question how long they have been in Schitt's Creek. But he said three years, and then it doesn't really make so much sense because. In season two, it's mentioned that they've been in town for a year. And then season four, they reference how Ted and Alexis have been broken up for a year. So now we're like at two years. And then Ted, when he's like falling for Alexis, he like says like, I've wanted to kiss you every day for the last two years. Okay, so like now we've really like furthered the timeline. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the pregnancy of Jocelyn. So that like the timeline just doesn't really make so much sense. And then I also feel like that doesn't give... 
Stevie and David enough time to really develop such a strong friendship that she would be able to be who she is to David Mm -hmm. by the time she meets Patrick. So how long do you think would actually be I think six years. I think think six years. years? I think it's a full six years. I think it's a year a year a season because if you were somewhere for three years, you were just like off the grid for three years, that's like college. I don't know. Like, I just feel like the longer they're there in Schitt's Creek, the more they have this attachment to this place, the more these things mean stuff, the more like leaving means something, the more like being stuck there means something. I just think, it adds stakes. It just adds more stakes. Yeah. I think there is a time jump at the beginning of season five when we all of a sudden Moira's in Bosnia. Oh, yeah. Because she, she had to go away and filming. You don't just film something in a yeah. month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Well, some, maybe that. Maybe I, mean, maybe, that I was about to say, it was like, maybe on that budget you do. Uh, all right. Let's time. Do, time. It's very different in Schitt's Creek. It's, it, maybe it's just different in Canada. Someone asked, do you have a favorite Moira Rose wig and or a favorite Moira Rose one liner? Great question. What's your favorite wig? It is so you know uh, John and Kate plus eight. Mm-hmm. She has like a sh- hair straightened bang that goes across the forehead <laughs> down to the side of the about. ear, and then and then the back of the hair is like spiked, spiked up. I know exactly what. So wig she you're has a wig about. like that, but mm-hmm. the back of the hair is more like hedgehogged. I have two favorite wigs, and then the other one is like ridiculous. I don't know if it was made for her, if they found it, or if it's just two wigs that she wore that day. Or she's like got platinum blonde like bangs that go to the sides of her head that are like uh, to her shoulders and then brown curly hair on the top. Yes. It's so bizarre. My favorite wig is just because it's kind of an out of character one is the pigtail wig. Yes, when she sings when for When she sings cuz it's so cutesy. It's so funny. I was just like, that scene is so sweet and it's so emotional and it's a great episode in general. But then I was like watching this really sweet moment. I was like, I'm sorry. Is she wearing pigtails? (laughs) What a choice. Uh, Okay, let's go. Okay, so one-liners. One-liners. Tell me yours. Okay, I have two and I have them for personal reasons because I relate to these two statements a lot. Great. Not so much that I think they are the funniest, but one of them was, I would kill for a good coma right now. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel 100% of the time. I'm like, oh my God, if I could just get like three three months of sleep and just wake up, the bags under my eyes would be gone. Whoever I was dating would be gone. Or I'd wake up and I'd be like, their name, their name. And then they'd come and they'd have to like fall in love with me because I woke up from a coma. They'd have to big sick you and just stay there the whole time. (laughs) And this one I think is probably, all of my friends will probably agree to this statement being true to me was, I would be pleased to RSVP as pending. I like truly cannot commit to an event or anything until like the second I'm about to leave my house. All right, yours? Uh, She's talking to Stevie and she goes, take a thousand naked photos of you now. You may currently think, oh, oh, I'm too spooky or nobody (laughs) wants to see these tiny boobies. (laughs) I... Died. The spooky part. The spooky. There's no better word in the English language than spooky. I love that word. Um, I also want to share some Moira like legitimate advice that she gives. She has this really serious moment with Alexis when they go to the dive bar. She, Alexis is really broken up over Ted, and she tells Alexis, "If it's meant to be, they'll come around." And mm-hmm. I think that's such a lovely, actually good advice. Okay. <laughs> This listener asked, is there anything you wish we got in the sixth season that we didn't? Um, five more episodes. Okay, because I'm a crazy person, I paused the documentary on when they show the wall in the writer's room of all the plots that oh, are right. going to happen. So one thing that's on that wall that I looked at was 
they had an idea about it says Moira's hometown. <gasps> Stop. I know, which they allude she alludes to throughout the show. Like yeah, she does, coming like, from a small coming town. Coming from a small town. Coming from nothing. So I would have loved to see that. Also, we meet her sister, but what we never be... really hear about her parents. Yeah. So I would have loved some closure on that or like a flashback to like early. Oh, Johnny it would have been Moira. so funny if Shits Creek is just like really fucking close to where she's from. I also wish we had gotten some kind of button with the guy who lost all of their money. With the, like, business, right. you know, whatever. Yeah, the one that we don't see. Yeah, we never see him. I mean, it's so rare for a show to have just such, like, an upward trajectory to, like, leave the party. To do what you do. Leave the party when you're having the most fun. Yeah. Uh, but I think what we... That's <laughs> oh, why I relate to the show. Yeah. What we lose out on is, like, these moments of closure. But that's why we do this. Why we theorize of mm-hmm. what would have happened. Okay, so let's let's theorize some more. What do we think the deal is with Bob and Gwen? Okay, so there is a Reddit fan theory. It's one of the few Reddit fan theories that I really can get behind. I love that there is a corner of the internet that has just sleuthed into what Gwen is up to. Love that. I love it. They have tracked every t- every episode that she is mentioned in. And there is this theory that Gwen is actually a part of the witness protection program. And then they like kind of justify it. She only uses the internet when she's at the library so that she doesn't have an IP address attached to her. There's this one line that's like kind of suspicious is Jocelyn's like, don't ask me why, but Gwen had a hunting rifle in her Mm -hmm. basement. It is not unusual for a town like this to have for people to have guns and we know that bob went turkey turkey hunting hunting, so like we know that the gun exists but the way that jocelyn says it is like suspicious and like jocelyn might know something that we don't know Mm. and then she also tells bob that she wouldn't wait for him if he went to prison right and there's just so many aspects that i'm like okay if she really is in the witness protection that's amazing. That's hilarious. And then I was like, if there is a spinoff, could you imagine if it was Gwen? Gwen Peak. Gwen Peak. I'm dead. <laughs> oh. Gwen Peaks. It's I- kind of like that that new show, the second act, where it's like the woman has her second act now that she's like gone through her divorce. Yeah, she's yeah, like yeah. woken up. I life. would love Gwen's second act. That could be the movie. That could be the yeah. uh, Gwen's Peak. <laughs> yeah. She peaks. <laughs> We got it. Thank you. <laughs> we got it. You don't have to reiterate yeah. the joke. Please just run the joke into the ground. <sighs> okay. Our audience asks, as someone who loves a will they, won't they, targeted, were you always Team Ted or did you like Alexis and Mutt? You know, this is something I'm coming to terms with uh, as I think you're all watching, hearing me process um, my relationship with will they, won't they's. But I was swooning over Mutt in the early seasons. Right. Like that was the relationship I cared about uh, was Alexis and Mutt. Because I just, I didn't by the Alexis Ted chemistry at birth. Me either. She's dated all of these extreme people. Mm-hmm. And then she needed someone who was the opposite of that. Exactly. But I don't think she was ready for it. So it just right. was so clear that like she wasn't getting anything out of how sweet and supportive he was. He comes back as a fuller person. And then I think that's I whatever. This is what we keep saying is like, you have to figure yourself out before you can be with someone. And I think that's why I end up liking the Ted and Alexis relationship in later seasons. But I did not like them together at first. I wanted her with Mutt. I just thought their sexual chemistry was so strong. I also enjoy the idea of a work crush who slowly leaks information about how their relationship is falling apart and you grab onto every little detail. Mm-hmm. Not that I've ever done that, but I was Never. hardcore rooting for them. And they have a great first kiss. They do. The, like, grab back. 
I think there's a lesson to learn from like the chemistry. They say this pretty blatantly, but like the chemistry from a will they won't they sometimes that's all it is. It's just the chemistry. Like the idea of this person is so sexy and so fun. And And sometimes the chase is fun. Sometimes the game is fun. Sometimes you like hook up with someone or date someone for a little bit that you just eyed or they like looked like a crush you had in high school. And then you like you get to know them and you're like, Oh wait! I yeah. really put so much on you. Right, I created this whole vision of what what it would be like for us to be together. But the reality is that it's or... nothing like that. So now we're gonna move into some questions that people people had for us. If it wasn't for this turn in the roses' lives, David and Patrick would never have met. Which leads us to: Do you believe in fate? Ugh. I think I kind of relate fate to ghosts, to aliens, to the Zodiac, that spooky, spooky, that I believe that they exist. Mm -hmm. But I think that we love to give it more meaning and credit to just sort of justify something in our own life than Mm -hmm. what it actually is. Um, It is nice to think that fate is what brings us all together all these things but then when you think about fate and you're like oh fate is real then it takes away free will and stuff i once had my my palm read and i was told i'd have two great loves in my life yeah but it also didn't tell you're gonna die by 35 37 yeah i think it's sometimes to your point if it can provide us with any sort of like comfort or clarity when we need it then sure but i don't believe Everything happens for a reason because then I think that would be absolving ourselves of right, we'd be so in the matrix. much responsibility. Yeah. And we can't control all the situations in the universe and in this life. But I do believe we can control how we bring ourselves to two situations. So, yes, maybe it was fate that David and Patrick landed in the same place at the same time. But I do think David was in control and was active in the process of opening himself up to the town, to forging new relationships, to gaining confidence, to gaining independence. And I think if he hadn't have done all of that, then I don't think he would have been as available to Patrick, and I don't think it would have gone as well. So maybe fate can bring you timing, but I think everything else is on you. I'm my palm read, reader. She said that I'd have two great loves. Mm-hmm. I think I already had one. So now so I'm too. like the next time I'm in, I'm in love. I, I think I probably will be like, you are the one. Right. And that person might be like, huh? Right. And that might not be helpful. To yeah, you, exactly. You know? So then you might have to be like, never mind. I don't believe in palm reading. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Someone asks, has there ever been a time where your family was too involved in your love life? M- no. My answer is no, they not really. But my family also lives in a far off place called Texas, which I know <laughs> if you didn't know this, I'm a hick. But my mom is very similar to me. She, it, When she meets someone that she finds love for them really quickly, she can find the good things in people. And so I think she takes my breakups a lot harder than she wants to. Mm-hmm. And she once told me after a few failed flings that she no longer wanted to meet uh, anyone until I was engaged. Sad. Which, yeah, I don't know if she would still stand by that. But I do get her just like, I'm just so tired of you breaking up with people. Right. Although, right. newsflash, mom, I never broke up with them. They broke up with they me. They broke up with me. <laughs> Turns out I'm a loser. Turns out I can't hold it down. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say too involved. My 
family has definitely been involved. My mom literally wrote on my ex-boyfriend's Facebook wall last week. But what I do appreciate is that they have never expressed negative opinions about my relationships while I'm in them. I hope that they would step in if I was dating someone that was trash. Like if I was dating someone that was toxic or bad for me, I do think my family would step in. But I appreciate that they're involved enough to like know who they are and care about them but appreciative that they never shared their unsolicited opinions about Mm. these men with me because I think sometimes it's really easy to get too influenced by what your family thinks. I have never been one to tell my family what's going on in my relationship Mm -hmm. until it's like done. Yeah, but, but some people. But some people do that, and mom about every that fight. Would, yeah, I mean, I have been with someone who would do that, and mm-hmm. it would get so annoying because I would be like, "What does she know now?" Right, right, and she. You have to think that if your significant other is talking to their parents about all your fights, like your significant other's parents must hate you to an right? extent. Like or that just... feels unavoidable. Wow, someone, someone asks. Have you ever been in love? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and would you compare it to a David and Patrick kind of love? Why or why not? Despite what the palm reader has said. Huh? Yeah. I, I think I have found love. I don't know if I've been in love. Or it's been a great love. Yeah, exactly. It hasn't mm-hmm. been a great love. Mm-hmm. I've been in love a few times. Okay. But I specifically just want to talk about the last one. Okay, the most recent. For me, I think that relationship felt a lot like david and stevie Mm, where they are you see them and you're like you're compatible it makes sense it works the relationship felt like best friends like Mm, it mm -hmm. it felt like the same way he could call me out on on my bullshit the same way stevie calls david out and i can push him to do stuff that he wouldn't be comfortable with same thing david would do with stevie but when it's like you find a patrick i know i killed him but you find a patrick and he does all of those things Mm. but something more there's like this missing ingredient and i think that missing ingredient is that stable quality that we're talking about of you have to find yourself before you find the other person looks like we're learning even over the course of this episode as we speak we are learning i agree i don't think i've had a david and patrick kind of love because i think if i had i'd be married i think it's mostly because i don't think i fully stepped into my quote-unquote power and consciousness and being as an adult woman until very recently and obviously I don't think I'm fully there but we're working um so I think all of my other (laughs) it's a process it's a process so I think all of my other relationships were a lot of me growing up and growing into this fully formed version of myself not that David and Patrick don't grow together because they do but they do meet each other on solid footing as we've talked about the side by side. Right. So I think if I could explain it through Shit's Creek love, my biggest relationship, I think, was more of a Ted and Alexis, where he was so sweet and adoring and probably would have done anything for me. And we really did love each other. But I think, um, you know, much like Alexis's plant outgrows its little pot, mm-hmm. I think I was growing and changing and suddenly I needed more. More or just different. It just wasn't what I needed anymore. And I don't think we grew at the same rate. But it's when you go through a breakup, you are acknowledging that there is the possibility of being something more. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a brave and big and correct step. Yes. Oh, lovely. Okay. Are you more attracted to a strong, stable Patrick type or someone who can keep you on your toes like David? I think you should go first. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm more attracted to a David. Yeah. Duh. Uh, I mean, but 
I feel like I am more of a David as well. I mm-hmm. think part of the... Yeah, you're not a Patrick. I'm not a Patrick. <laughs> no. I, please do not try to get me to do business. I'm kind of like a David, and I really should be on the lookout for a Patrick. We've mm-hmm. already talked about this. Yes. I already killed him off, which is... I think that... Would you like to unpack this a bit more? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think the way that I feel about the Patricks and those like people who are very strong and stable is that they try to change me. And I think what Patrick does not do to David is try to change exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that masquerade as Patrick. Yes. And I think I'm generally attracted to Patrick's, but I think I'm attracted to fake Patrick's. Like people who are like, maybe a little boring. Some seeming. patties. Some patties. Yeah, we'll call them patties. Uh, you know, maybe they're a little boring. Maybe they wear the same, like, five shirts. Um, but they have, like, a great sense of security and comfort. And I think it gives me this false sense because they're not as secure as they seem. And they don't have their shit together as much as they seem. And so I'm lured into this false sense of security. And then I end up doing more caretaking because they actually aren't as secure and they they need more caretaking. And I think other versions of Patty's, fake Patrick's, right. seem like they're so secure and together, but they actually need you to change, to mold you around what their idea of the perfect right. person is, instead I, of accepting you for who you are. And that's a real Patrick. Yeah. I think for the real Patrick's I probably have met, like, I just don't think I was where David is when I met them. Like, if Patrick had met David before Shit's exactly. Creek... I think he, he Patrick would have just like kind of overlooked David. Totally. And, and I think and that that might be the, the case for me is that mm-hmm. and that's probably why I, I am attracted to a, a David type because mm-hmm. you surround yourself around the people you want to be. So you haven't found your Shit's Creek yet is I what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, you would have thought it was the pandemic. You would have thought the pandemic would have sent me home right. and I would have found a, a gross That's friend. interesting. I wonder if anybody's having their Shit's Creek moment because they got sent home right. for the pandemic. There are very few pandemic stories that I want to hear. I want most people not to create art about this time. Me too. That's the one kind of love story I'll take. I'll take one rom-com about the <laughs> pandemic, one documentary about the pandemic, and or two competing documentaries, because that was fun. When and we maybe a mini-series about the politics of it. Yes. But it's a mini-series. Eight episodes. Yeah. Eight, eight, eight episodes, max. Max. No season two. Meryl mm-hmm. Streep, you're not involved you're in the not second involved. season. Sorry. Meryl, this is the one line we're drawing. She was like, but I could play COVID. I could be. <laughs> I'm viral. <laughs> I'm viral. She was I'm like, did you everywhere. see my turn as the witch in Into the Woods? I can be everywhere, but I'm invisible. Nobody really knows the details about me. <laughs> also, high maintenance. I would take high maintenance's season on COVID. Uh, JP, you got a specific question from a listener. This listener says, this question is for you, JP. You mentioned that your fictional lover is at high risk for COVID. Oh, hot. How are you both fictionally doing in these unprecedented times? A follow-up, you mentioned he lives in a tower. If you win his heart, do you also gain a title and some sort of fictional kingdom? Thank you for your time. Let's go to the first question. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. He's dead. I'm just kidding. He's not dead. My fictional boyfriend is alive. He is doing better. He still has, like, he can't taste things. He can't smell things, which is really sad because I can't cook. The tower, unfortunately, it did get demolished. Oh. Yeah, it did get demolished. They're going to have to rebuild, like, a high-rise. Wow. Well, who knew that um, (laughs) that the trials were so lucrative? They're so lucrative. Uh, the trials are so lucrative. 
you know, they're going to probably film, what is that show? Love is Blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to film another ver- version of that. Oh, so you would leave your... Love has no taste. Your is what it's called. Love has no taste. Yeah, it's just a bunch of COVID people eating dinner with people who do have taste. And the people who do have taste have to describe what it tastes like to the COVID people. And based on their descriptions, the COVID people have to then agree or disagree okay. to stay dating to them. That's the only reality show I was <laughs> like on COVID. Wow. All right, Megan. This listener asked a question. Okay, so they've kind of prefaced it with... We have talked about how Patrick is a very competent person mm-hmm. and he knows himself in the relationship mm-hmm. because he's already explored and had experiences with women and therefore doesn't really need to explore other options after coming out. In particular, you mentioned that you think most people do need to explore a bit and to be sure is the exception. So my question, how do you know if you're the exception? I have never been someone who is ready to get married who is like, yep, you're the one. So it's a foreign feeling. And so I'm kind of imagining it's the same thing. I bet it's the same thing. I bet. I wonder if it's the same thing of like, you know, when you know you have to break up with somebody. Right. And all of a sudden it like hits you and you're like, I have to do it. And it's like all of a sudden you're so secure in that choice. I hope that when you are ready to stop exploring and get married, that that's the same way. I think in terms of being an exception where you haven't done a lot of exploring, but you don't think you need any more. I think if you're asking the question of like, am I the exception or do I need more exploring? I think you need more exploring. Like, I think if you question it at all, if you're not sure that you can just be with this person forever, you cannot be and that you need some more time to explore. Because I think that assurance, that confidence that you don't need anything else, I feel like will feel the same secure, sure thing that knowing that you're ready to marry someone or knowing that you're ready to break up with someone. I think if there's lingering doubts, they'll come to haunt you. Okay. So this reader asks, obviously here at Talking Ship, all right, I'm just going to tell everyone, this is Katie. Katie sent this in. If you're a a longtime listener, this was our season one host. Obviously we at Talking Ship love karaoke slash a torch song. Please see I Will Always Love You from season seven of Gilmore Girls. Do you think big gestures slash flap mobs slash torch songs only work when all the communication and work has been done? Do you think there was any part of them that used the torch song to band-aid the real issues? Right, well, I'm no doctor, but something that I would say of band-aids is that they can heal shallow cuts and scrapes. So I think if ba- David and Patrick or any of you out there in your real um, non-fictional emotional relationships have big, severe communication gaps, then I think, yes, you know, a public performance, a public declaration of love, a grand gesture would be performative. And we see that a lot. It's this overcompensating with something big and flashy, but not doing the work to show up for someone or communicate with them and solve the real issues. You know, we see people move in together for those reasons. We see people people proposing for those reasons, having a baby. It's like this, look how much I love you. I'm doing this. Whereas I think for David and Patrick, the grand gestures fix these smaller cuts. It's not like they have these huge issues. You know, we've talked about this. It's Schitt's Creek. It's comedy. They don't have these big issues. But even in these smaller cuts, David, you know, it's like, David has trouble opening up and having faith in a relationship, so I'm going to let him know how safe he is here. Thus, Patrick does simply the best. But A, Patrick hadn't done anything to make him feel unsafe in the relationship, and 
the grand gesture was totally supported by everything else that Patrick did in Patrick's behavior. And same with David's, simply the best. So all that to say, I think gestures can band-aid, band-aid-sized issues, but they need to be supported by conscious, habitual change. All right, so now we're going to move into some advice and bless everybody that trusts us with a bit of advice. So we're going to do our best. So this person is asking about this idea of fight or flirt. They say, I totally agree that this dynamic is best equipped for two people who are fully formed and self-assured. Sometimes though, I feel like we're not lucky enough to get a Patrick who isn't playing games and is just happy and charmed and there for you. And then we get stuck in this fight or flirt. So what advice do you have for us mere mortals who are getting ourselves out of a fight or flirt and making the change? So getting from that like flirty situation to a real relationship. I think just in general, I think good advice is to look and see what Patrick Brewer does because the way that he takes this from a flirty encounter to the next level is he takes clear action that kind of goes above and beyond where their relationship is currently at. And he doesn't do it casually. He doesn't play casual. Right. He like shows up the store, like not because he's like, oh, I was passing by or because he was invited. He goes out of his way to show up. And I think so I think what the key is, is like, you can't play it cool. Inviting him out to dinner on his birthday and bringing a wrapped present with sentimental value is not playing it cool. Well, I just think that if you're playing fun and games, if it's like all fun and games yeah. and this flirtatious thing and you want to take it somewhere else, it'll either stay in fun and games, it'll fizzle out, or you have to like put an end to the game, be like, playtime's over, seriousness, we're going to either have a nap or we're going to like move on. Yeah. And we're going to evolve from here. Yeah. And I think the way you do that is with something specific. You have to level up. And I think one person is always going to be the one to do it, to like make the hard actionable step and be clear about it and you know we see with david and patrick that david was probably a little bit scared too so if you want to take it out of fight or flirt then you be the one to do it i say when in doubt if you want it level up level up mm-hmm. it might be sad you might level up and be, realize that person was just playing fun and games exactly. with you but, but then you'll know. know yeah make it really obvious that you want the relationship to change and then if they don't show up then they're just not that into you. Mm. All right. This listener asks, you guys say that you have to be a you before you can be a we. But I think so many people don't know that or don't do that. We're so addicted to the cupcake phase or the false start of a relationship, but I hate it. Do you have any advice if you are ready to be a you, but the other person insists on skipping straight to we? I just want to say that I love the term cupcake phase. Oh, yeah. It's Katie's term. Really? I love that phase. It's like the early phase of relationship right. where everything's all good cupcakes. and cute. Yeah. yeah. I think that it is totally fine to try to enter a relationship and try to grow and be you. But you have to realize when you like are putting that in quotations, we over the two of you, that you are still two individuals. I think if you're going to be like, where I'm at is perfect and fine. I never have to grow. And now that we're in this relationship, we're going to grow from here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. I think if you're going to be smart with one another, like let them be where they're at. Let them let you be where you're at in order for you to grow in that stance. If you cannot wait any longer, you need to be with this person, then you need to be this with the person. Part of me feels, though, that like unevenness will never work. I think we see 
this like right if one person wants it more yeah or even if one person it's this idea of wanting to go to a unit too fast you know Mm. instead of being two individuals for a little bit longer like staying as a you before becoming a we and i think that like that's what a lot of relationships hit this road bump where one person seems quote unquote clingy because the clingy person is wanting the we and the other person is still being very unique and they're standing up very straight in their you-ness. And I, but I think it's key that if you are a person who maintains like a little bit of independence, a little bit of individuality in a relationship and need the space to be you, I think you have to set those expectations from the start. And they might look like some like harsh boundaries at first, you Mm. know, when you're like, aren't going to cancel your plans with your friends to see your new partner, or you're going to, you know, still have your solo time or hold your ground on opinions and discussions and not change everything for this person. You don't have to do it in a mean way, but I think you just have to be confident and calm and self-assured that you're not going to all of a sudden prioritize everything about this relationship over your own independence and autonomy. But I think it's okay to do that so then the other person can take the hint and follow suit or they won't be okay with it. They're going to be, I mean, this is what we see in people who are a little codependent that they need you to be available to them all the time. People who are more kind of defined by their we and find identity in their relationships and that exists and it works for some people. I'm just saying like that doesn't work for me and I don't think that's a David and Patrick relationship. Yeah. And I think from what we've learned from television and in real life is that it doesn't normally work out for people. There are exceptions to the rules. Like there are people who find themselves like what they really needed all along was the relationship to wake wake them up. Yeah. But I think from experience and from – being a friend and watching people and also just like watching television. Those situations where one person really wants it to work and one person is just unsure, mm-hmm. like they still need to find themselves, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and if you are the person who wants the relationship to happen, I think if you're going to try to really pursue it and if you convince them to be in the relationship with you, no, don't convince them, obviously, if you're ever getting convinced yeah. to be in something. Never. Yeah. If you have to convince someone to love you. Yeah, it's not it. We've learned the hard way, we, everyone. Oh, I love to like compile an, a breakup album oh my god in my the mind play, i hope the playlist. my playlists yes. aren't public on spotify oh my god i know right i think i have a playlist called sad about it and i think it's two songs <laughs> that i listen to on repeat during just a particular two. heartbreak just two songs that's so funny eventually that person if like you've said it like moira has moira said, has said that, that like what is she what is the exact quote do you know it if it's meant to be they'll come around yeah that's the answer that's all we're gonna say on that yeah lovely Wanna now just listen to Moira? Okay, cool. So David and Patrick initially bond through their experience of a shared project. We've all had a showman's or similar project slash work related bonding experience. What advice do you have into transitioning into a standalone relationship once the project or show or experience is wrapped? How do you think David and Patrick did this well and how did they misstep? We don't do this often, but I think I'm going to give like some tactical advice. This is some actionable steps. And I think what it is, is the post-work ask out. For in the David and Patrick world, this was the birthday dinner. You have to make plans for after the show or project or event or 
whatever. And it has to be something kind of special. Like, don't just say we should hang out sometime. I think it has to be like a movie or a show or an artist that you've been talking about or a specific like restaurant or a bar. Obviously, this is all right. post COVID. But if we're in COVID, maybe there's like this view or a hike or this walk that you've been wanting to go on. So make it something special that you want to share with this person because that provides you with an opportunity to show up in a different way, to show up differently than you did to work, to show up differently than you would to a casual hang. You can show up with a date looks, date looks, and Mm. date energy. I think the misstep with David and Patrick is that David invited Stevie to the birthday dinner. Right. And you see Patrick get really thrown by it. And then luckily Stevie is smart and saw what was going on and removed herself. But I think that's the misstep is make it something that is just the two of you. Don't invite anybody else. Don't make it a group hang. Right. And see, because sometimes, especially in showmances, like like a showmance can have such a high. You're already getting adrenaline from performing. Mm -hmm. You're like, you might, if you guys are playing lovers in a show and now you are taking that backstage to your, you know, whatever you're at. Mm -hmm. And now it's, the show has ended. That high isn't going to be there anymore. That thing that keeps it like feeling fresh every night. Mm -hmm. So I think definitely taking it just you two to see how you, exists outside of it is like that's you're totally right that that is the make it or break it moment all right and to wrap it up we've basically this whole these past five episodes have been an ode to this is such a healthy relationship so to leave our listeners with something Mm -hmm. they ask what advice would you give someone who strives for a david patrick like relationship is there a checklist maybe that one could work off of Let's make five. Let's say like a five, five-step checklist for okay. a David Patrick relationship. Number one, we've hit it hard on the head this entire time. You have to be able to stand straight on your own or gay on your own. Uh, <laughs> you don't rely on anyone to complete you and you don't need anyone to complete the sense of identity, the safety or this purpose. You are fully self-actualized human. You meditate. <laughs> you go to yoga. Yeah, you don't eat gluten. Step two the other person also has to be on that level. They have to know who they are. And beware for those people who don't know who they are yet. They need time. There has to be chemistry. That's kind of a given. Mm -hmm. If you're dating someone and there's no chemistry, I don't know how you guys got to that. So we're talking about organic chemistry. You yourself existing in the world that the way that you do hits up against them existing in the way that they do. And it creates this spark. Spark. Chemistry. A spark of creation. And I think this kind of goes into what you're saying is like, you can't, it's not that this person, you're never going to change again with this person. It's that their love and affection and expression should make you feel better and safer. And it should make you raise you up, if you will. It should make you want to go above and beyond what you thought you were capable of in all aspects of your life, in your vulnerability, in your ambition, in your openness and compassion. Your love lifted me higher. higher. Wow. That wasn't good. I don't know what you're talking about. I literally was like, I just get so excited every time you sing. I know, because I never do it. I know. This last one, the fifth thing is going to be a joint response. Okay. They have to see you for who you are. are. And love you because of those things, not in 
spite of them. them. Okay, good. We got that one. Yeah. I didn't even know if you were going to get that. Yeah. Cool. That was great. Yeah. This is like the rubber thumb thingies. Right. You've you got to love them because of the rubber thumb thingies, not in spite of the rubber thumb thingies. Right. Ultimately, the goal is to find your David and your Patrick. Yeah. So that you can turn into a Moira and Johnny. Exactly. That'll, maybe that will be our reboot. That would be the, a, a really good relationship to analyze. Though. Okay, great. All right, so we'll book you um, oh, this wait, time we're gonna, next year. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, shoot, shoot. Uh, I'm probably Speaking busy. You, I, I book a lot. JP, yeah. thank you so much for joining me thank on Thank you for having journey. me. I've learned a lot. I can't speak so much for you. Okay, great. Thank I don't know if you have. <laughs> I have. I thought so. And I had a great time And we, doing we did most of this during cancer season, which... I'm a cancer, so it's fine for me, but I know it's really hard on people. Mm-hmm. I do. I speak for a lot of people, but they've been very glad to have your voice during these trying times, as was I. And I hope that you join us again for future seasons. So, everyone, next week we move on to a new season. And that show will be announced on social media so you oh. can check us out at talking ship podcast on instagram or talking ship podcast.com and we will announce the new show with a new host i'm very excited about it here's a little hint it also has an emmy nod this year here's a hint we've spoken about it it has come up today yeah it's the kaminsky method yay <laughs> It's Twin Peaks. Oh, Oh, we spoke about it today. So that's your hint. But continue to follow JP. Go watch JP's web series, which is called Cursed on Sika, S-E-E-K-A. TV. Great. You watch that. Check me out on at jpaypay.com. That is not not how that's not how Instagrams work. At J-Pay-Pay. Yes. J-A-Y-P-A-E-P-A-E. So you can continue was, to hear his takes. Yeah, it was my know. AOL name when I was younger. a bay bay All right. Well, everyone, it's been such a joy talking about this show and this it really relationship. Has. It really has, in a ways, changed my perspective in ways I think I, quite frankly, needed. Me too. I think so. I think it really helped me process myself. Yeah. So I hope that you all gained something from it. Thank you to all the Big Shits Creek fans out there that have found us. What's nice about TV is that our relationship with it gets to continue on because we can always revisit it and find it at different times in our lives. So mm-hmm. I know that I will continue to do that with Shits Creek and with this relationship. So with that... I love that. I hope thanks. I hope you all tune in next week to continue on this journey of learning more about ourselves and the people around us using this medium of television that we love so much but until that time best wishes warmest regards okay thank you so much for listening everyone this has been talking ship if you had a nice time we would be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast we're still a pretty new show so those stats really do help us out Thank you so much to JP Maddock for being my wonderful co-host this season. You can follow him on social media at jpepe. That's J-A-Y-P-A-E-P-A-E. You can find the podcast on social media too at Talking Ship Podcast for all kinds of content and updates. And if you'd like to follow me, I'm at OnlyMegan815 on all the platforms. That's Megan with no H. No H. 
Talking Ship is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. So thank you to the whole team there for helping make this show happen. And thank you to Chris Meisner for composing our theme music that you're currently listening to. And that will fade out now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.